Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, Buckeye fans. When we talk about the Scarlet and Great, we talk a lot about our Buckeyes being elite. Well, how about some eliteness in your life? How about an elite future, an elite retirement? Maybe when you don't live among the land of the elites today. My friend from Dayton, Ohio, a middle-class worker like many of us, Larry Faulkner, has retired with a million-dollar portfolio from making elite moves and now enjoys an elite retirement. Guess what? He's written a book, The Illustrated Guide to Financial Independence. It's very simple. It's easy to read. It literally has illustrations, the pictures that break it down for you. You don't have to be some Wall Street guru. Larry wasn't some guy working in a high-rise financial job. No, he's a police officer. And he retired into this elite lifestyle where he does what he wants to do, calls his own shots. And he's allowing you to have the same knowledge at your fingertips with his book, The Illustrated Guide to Financial Independence, Twelve ninety five on Amazon. Get it today. You can't afford not to buy this book. Start making moves now so that you don't work until you die. So that you have a fantastic and elite future. A future built by you with smart moves. This is not a get-rich-quick book. This is not a pyramid scheme book. He's not asking you to buy anything other than the book and just manage your own money in a way that the every man can understand but have extraordinary results. You owe it to yourself, guys, to go buy this book. You cannot afford not to buy this book and start preparing for your future. The Illustrated Guide to Financial Independence, How to Manage Your Own Money Like a Boss so that you can one day call your own shot in a wonderful retirement. Twelve ninety five on Amazon. The Illustrated Guide to Financial Independence by Larry Faulkner. And here's the final kicker. If you don't understand anything of the book or you need some follow-up, you can even email the author. How many authors are going to allow you to do that? So get your copy today. Are you ready, Corey? Yeah, I'm getting ready. Are you ready, Buckeye Nation? Barbecue back there! Greg Renzo 
welcome to the Scarlet and Great Podcast. Let's party, Columbus! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Scarlet and Great Podcast. Thank you for finding us here on the Unscripted Ohio Podcast Network. Find us on iTunes, Google, SoundPlay, Stitcher, iHeart, Spotify, and anything you may choose, we should be on there, any of the major networks. Thank you. Leave us a review. Leave us a a five-star iTunes review. We would love it. If it's not a five-star, leave the review anyway. Let us know what we can do better. Thank you guys very much for joining us again. Uh, We are going to talk recruiting, running back room, the situation, spring camp updates, all of that. I got a little cavalier on the last show when I said, hey, we're going to do two recruits every single week. Uh, because uh, things were slow, and I thought they'd stay slow. Well, things are picking up. There's more news elsewhere, so we're only going to do one recruit. Uh, We're going to talk about Sam Hart this week. Other than that, we have a lot of other stuff happening, spring camp updates, things like that. That should continue, so maybe we can just do one each show. Uh, Slower news cycles, maybe we'll do two. We're going to try to keep the energy up and everything for you. Uh, I've had a... uh, We've had a rough evening. Computer problems... I'm a little tired. Uh, Corey's hungry. I've been axe throwing all, uh, all afternoon and getting ready for the coronavirus. And uh, I, I'm ready to go now. The corona zombies stand no chance. I, I, I figured out the technique. And we're doing good. Corey's a handyman. All get out. Man's man. We're, we're starting a zombie camp and we will do good. Um, but what really threw us off is we were like six minutes, well, a few minutes into the show and Corey's Corey's mic was so distorted and slowed down, it sounded like a voice filter you hear like when someone's trying to trick the police or doing a prison documentary. It was so, super slow-mo, and uh, we didn't catch it till a few minutes in. So we recorded a nice blooper reel. Corey, your audio is back, and it sounds much better. Well, that's debatable if you like my voice or not. But Oh, gosh, it's back. You can't be playing with me. I'm like just kidding. That. I'm just kidding. You can't I'm just be kidding. doing that. Stuff. You cannot be. Do- I knew you were going to do that. I still didn't like it. Uh, you know. You know. It's. I think it was. I had left my uh, my voice changer on because I had called the police earlier, but <laughs> <laughs> I just forgot to turn it off. You know, my typical uh, kidnap someone's a pet. You know, and then yeah, your Florida man shenanigans. Hold, hold the pet for ransom. If you ever want to see Fluffy again, <laughs> you bring $97 in large unmarked bills. Large <laughs> to Kissimmee St. Cloud, put it up behind the trash can liner right outside the main entrance. Man, you little. Did you read my diary? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I didn't send wow. the wrong file, did I? I'd send you that phone call. <laughs> <laughs> It was, yeah, you you titled it Scarlet and Great, but I think. Did I sound like Buffalo Bob should, from Silence of the Lambs? You it did. puts the lotion you did. on the skin. You oh, did. Man. It does what it's told or it gets the hose again. That's scary. I could see why you stopped the show. You're like, I, I'm just a little scared right now. Yeah. Uh, the blooper reel should be nice. People know what we're talking about. But beyond all that, um, I hope you're doing well down there. As we talked about on the last show, I'm ready to go on the show we had to scrap. We're ready to go for a coronavirus. I got my axe throwing down. Um, of course, got, got, got Johnny Bullet, of course, is going to have his firearms. 
Um, and we're ready to go, Corey. I, I'm not intimidated at the least by the, the, the Corona zombies. And uh, I live in Florida. I basically we... live among zombies in any way. I mean, it's just it's <laughs> kind of what we do. I mean, literally the, the world could be taken over by zombies and Florida wouldn't even know for like 15 years. <laughs> the GDP of Florida is just like steadily 2% rising. Exactly. Everything's to our state. Whenever we see new zombies come in, we just assume they're just here for the beaches. Yes. How do you keep it's, I will say this, Florida does do a remarkable job at like just building the barriers around the tourist locations and keeping the zombies and the meth crocodiles out. Like in the pan, like it's people like my parents, I had to explain to my parents what Florida really was because they've only been to like Captiva Island and well, they went to, you know, they didn't see a, they, they were in Hawthorne outside of Gainesville. I'm surprised they didn't see more than they saw uh, then, but yeah, they just go to vacation spots and uh, Naples, Naples again, does a really good job of keeping it clean. Um, Florida does a remarkable job at, at, at being two-faced. <laughs> yeah, but remember when it, it, it gets a little tricky when they become zombie gators. So, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys are well-trained. You've been training for the to for the zombie apocalypse for years. But anyway, Steve Irwin was an amateur compared to us. So. <laughs> yeah, you guys are all pros. Are you ready to rock? I'm ready to rock. Man. It's five minutes in. We haven't talked about anything Buckeye-related. People will probably turn it off. Yeah, well, sorry about that. We've had a tough time getting to this point. All right, Corey, a lot of stuff going on. We're going to go ahead and get straight into the, the recruiting profile portion. Let's talk Let's talk Sam Hart quickly, all right? Um, not too quickly, but quickly enough that we can flow through the rest of the show. Uh, I will say Corey is a three-star out of Aurora, Colorado, and I saw a three-star tight end. Now he is the number four tight end in the country. Um, Interesting enough, I believe Rivals already has given him his fourth star, and that that kind of feeds into what I'm going to say a little bit later. But uh, when I cut the tape on, I was about to watch his highlights, and I was thinking, you know, uh, three-star tight end, we are pass-block heavy tight end. That's how we use them at Ohio State. I'm expecting to see Luke Farrell, you know, uh, a broad enough guy who probably does good in high school but doesn't look terribly athletic, probably strong, good blocker. And uh, he looks, and I told Corey this, I'm not saying he's Jeremy Ruckert, but he's more Ruckert than I think he is Farrell. He's a, this guy was a, a nimble, good pass catcher and really good after the catch and surprisingly elusive. Corey, what did you see in Sam Hart? Were you a little bit surprised like I was um, of this guy? And I think he'll get a full fourth star for it's all said and done from everybody. Yeah, I noticed a few tendencies with him. Uh... It's interesting how they use him, quite frankly. It's like, you know, there's some things you notice about him. And, he, you know, being 6'5", 225, he's a little slim. He's a little bit like Joe Royer. Uh, mm -hmm. So, honestly, if you he's a guy like Joe Royer. He's a guy like Jeremy Ruckert in that camp. Uh, I'll get to his blocking here in a minute. But, you know, when you think Ohio State tight end, like you said, we usually think, you know, guys are going to come off and trap block and basically open up lanes, uh, cutback lanes for the running backs and things like that. But Sam Hart, uh, Joe Royer, they, they, to me, they represent a bit of a shift in the future. Cause remember when we start, we were recruiting running backs when Ryan day got here, it was Jack Miller, 
Uh, we went for guys with more pocket passing. Matt Baldwin was a great example of that. Uh, you, you could see the shift in where the offense was going in the future away from the running quarterback. You could see, I mean, Tate Martell was the exception in a year that was kind of goofy, uh, considering Danny Clark, we had to, you know, kind of, you know, edge, you know, nudge out of the recruiting class. And, and we took the next best available option, which was Tate Martell. But overall, we're recruiting guys that, like Kyle McCord. We'll talk about him later. He's not a runner. CJ Stroud can run a little bit, but that's not his primary use. Uh, you know, you saw that change and transition to you knew we were going to be a more less QB run, more pass oriented offense, more traditional pro style offense in some areas. Uh, I think that I see that with a tight end. Sam Hart is no exception to that. Long strider. He's not. And you see him run. It doesn't look like he's going fast, but nobody's catching him. You know, exactly. he's long strider. Uh, very tall. Good hands. I mean, he, he's got a great catch radius. He, like you were telling me before we even recorded, before we even started uh, reviewing him, you were you watched a few highlight films of him and you said, man, that guy, that, if that ball's anywhere in his vicinity, he's got it because he's got long arms and a good catch radius. Seems really hard to tackle. He makes the first guy slip a lot and the second guy and the third guy. I don't know if that's just Colorado's uh, competition. But he seems really good at making people slip off the tackle. And I imagine it has to do with his wrestling background, which I'll get to. Uh, he's a matchup problem when you split him out wide. Uh, you know, he, he's obviously, when he takes it to the linebackers and the safeties, he's, he's a bit of a matchup problem. He's big and fast. Johnny, did you notice this? I want you to talk about this with me. Runs a lot of his routes to the sideline. Do you notice that? Yeah, not, not a middle-of-the-field guy. You're right. Um, not that they avoided it. But it was a lot of flats and outs um, towards the sideline. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess that, you know, if the defenders are behind him, he's going to win that matchup all day long because he's got such the size advantage. Uh, you know, not afraid of contact for sure, but he will need work and blocking, I, I found. You know, I think his technique was a little, uh, I'd say, inconsistent at times. He's not necessarily a drive blocker. Sometimes he was. I mean, sometimes he'd, he'd pancake somebody, but. It seems sometimes he was just he was kind of seemed content to hold the guy steady, you know, and keep him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so I think he was going to need work on that, especially at the collegiate level, because these these kids in Colorado were not big that he was taking on. So once he gets in he gets in the room, and you got you know uh, Tyreek Smith, if he's still here, uh, you got Zach Harrison, you got guys like that outside linebackers like uh, well Baron Browning won't be here, but you know uh, Kevon Pope, Dallas Gant, Taraja Mitchell. Uh, not Pete Warner, he won't be here. But you know, guys like that, you, all of a sudden, you know, you're not taking on high schoolers anymore. You know, so it'll be mm-hmm. it'll be a little different. He seems a little bit raw for sure, and he's not necessarily explosive off the line. You first mentioned that to me. You said his first step is not that quick. What did you see? Yeah, I mean, it didn't look like he was blowing. There's there's times like you see his release and things like that, and he doesn't look terribly athletic. But then after the catch, sometimes he looked like the best player, most athletic player in the field. I mean, it was remarkable how he could do after the catch for a big guy. Um, and that mat balance and making people slip, ta- miss tackles and such. Um, it looked like he had really strong legs. Yeah, I, I was surprised that he'd release and it would look like a normal tight end just running a, you know, a so-so route, not the quick twitchy cuts of a wide receiver. Uh, but then after the catch, he really seemed to shine. I mean, he could have a contested catch, but it seemed like they were content to split him out wide or, or bring him in in the slot and just get get the ball in his hands. I mean, he was certainly used as a weapon. 
he was a guy, and his stats were not that great. I mean, I think seven touchdowns, I think something like, uh, I don't know, 31 catches, um, not, maybe 900 yards, maybe less than that. Uh, but it, it was, so maybe he was injured. I don't know. I don't know if they, he didn't get to play full season. But he certainly seemed like a guy that you could use as a weapon, at least in Colorado high school football. He was he was impressive to me. Um, when I cut the, ta- the the highlights on, I was just like, man, are you, are you sure this is the 389th best player in the country or whatever? Uh, he looked he looked surprisingly nimble for his size. Yeah, and and you know we had a, it, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that he has a wrestling background. He's had an undefeated wrestling season this past year. He won the state title, and he actually credits this That's, for his success in football. And that's that's a huge athletic statement, like winning the state title in a one on one sport like you undefeated. Yeah, undefeated. That is rare. I don't I mean, I'm I don't Colorado is probably not Ohio or Kansas or Iowa in high school wrestling. Missouri even, but I'm sure it's a big I'm sure it's undefeated state champ is undefeated state champ. And he's he's as a bigger guy, too. He's, he might be wrestling heavyweight. I don't know what, if he cuts any weight or whatever for wrestling season, but that's very impressive. The type of individual athleticism it would take to do that. Um, honestly, that sounds surprising that we got him here to play football if he's that good of a wrestler. I, I can't understate uh, or I can't overstate enough, I think, how impressive of a feat that is. I've known wrestlers. And I think any of them, if you said undefeated heavyweight state champ, that's that's just rareness. Yeah, I hope he doesn't leave us for the WWE. To be honest with you, but uh, I'm surprised. Yeah, or you know, Iowa or a, a great Big Ten school in wrestling. Yeah, Penn State's <laughs> you know? a great. Yeah, they're a great school. But so are we. So, um, yeah. But you know, I, I just want to give the listeners a bit of a background on why wrestling is good for football. Uh, and this is what excited me when I heard he, when I found out he was a wrestler and he was really good at it. I thought, well, you know what? I bet that had to play a part in what Kevin Wilson saw in him. And uh, this is from uh, an article I, re- I re- read. I almost said wrote for some stupid reason. Uh, How wrestling builds better football players by Matt Crumry. And he, uh, this is from Andy Ryland, who's the senior manager of education and training for US, USA football. Now he was in 2016. This, this is what he says. Balance and control against external resistance, leverage and positioning, and the ability to move a non-willing opponent are skills needed for fo- uh, for all football positions. I, I don't know about quarterback, but yeah, I agree with him generally. <laughs> uh, wrestling does a great job teaching this. And uh, this is from head coach for the Minnesota Vikings, Mike Zimmer, who also has a background in wrestling. I think you learn more from wrestling than any other sport. You find out uh, so much more about yourself and about competition. When it gets down to it, it's you and the guy across from you. When I was wrestling, for the six minutes that you're out there, it is one of the toughest, most demanding sports that I've ever been around. I think guys can go through that. And it, I think guys that can go through that and compete at, uh, at the different things going on, it really defines who you are. I don't know. These, these are guys, you know, who, like Mike Zimmer especially, who would know. So I, I obviously uh, you could say the football coaches put a pr- uh, put a premium on guys who have to line up in the trenches quite often, like a tight end, in their wrestling ability. Certainly, no, that's like I said, you can't overstate it enough, especially now that you built that backstory. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited about the guy. 
I think he'll be a nice asset, and I think it goes well for your theory that we are recruiting a different type of tight end now. Boom, boom, boom. Jeremy Rucker, Joe Royer, and uh, now Sam Hart, I think, are a more lean, nimble, pass-catching type of tight ends that hopefully uh, we get to exploit matchups with in the future. Yeah, and it'll actually go. I got some camp updates. Uh, it and some of the what we're just talking about with the tight end actually goes with some of those updates. Okay, we'll roll roll straight into that. Again, you can start with that position then, uh, if you want. You start wherever you want, but uh, um, actually, yeah, just start how you have it listed out, and we'll we will work our way. Well, I'll start with the tight end. I mean, I have to look for it real quick in my notes, but uh, we, uh, from what I understand, we're actually in practice so far for really featuring our tight ends right now. And the way they feel that they feel that Farrell and Ruckert can uh, burden a lot of the load that KJ Hill had last year over the middle. And I, I see you and I talked about that on a past podcast. We actually believe that, you know, uh, we actually believe that the lack of depth at wide receiver will lead to the idea that they want to lean on these experienced tight ends a little bit more in the passing game, at least over the middle, especially. Um, you know, because mm-hmm. you know when you have KJ Hill in the middle, who's all world everything, do everything wide receiver for the Ohio State Buckeyes. It's like, you know, you can you can rely on that security blanket uh, on KJ Hill because he is so reliable. Because you know he's been proven it over year and over and over again. Now we're trying Garrett Wilson in the slot, and look, I I'm along with everybody else think Garrett Wilson's going to be great, and he's already headed there, but it's a new position still for him. Yeah. And we still got two and experienced I, guys like Ruckert and Farrell who can work the middle. I just think that also, if you look at last year, what was Justin Fields' biggest, uh, you know, probably his big, the biggest part of his passing game was hitting the sideline routes. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, we didn't go intermediate over the middle a lot. I mean, it was it was short, long, short, long. So what's I mean, the next step in his evolution were... is reading the middle, reading the zone in the middle. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have experienced guys. You're going to have talented, experienced guys like Garrett Wilson, uh, Farrell, and Rucker. So it would make sense that they would actually feature the tight ends a lot more, in my opinion. Uh, so, I mean, now, granted, we've heard this before, Johnny. I know we've heard it every Yeah, year. as you say, everybody's going, Corey, fool me three times. Shame on me. <laughs> everybody's, Corey, I've been hurt before. I've been hurt but, before. To be fair. People are that hurt by fair. not using a tight end that much. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, I don't think No, I, I actually think had... if it doesn't happen this year, it probably just isn't going to happen. I'll be honest with you. But I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to give Ryan Day. This is Coach Ryan Day now taking over the program completely and fully. This is his program. I, I full and Kevin Wilson, uh, the offensive coordinator, who's also tight end coach, I fully believe if they doesn't happen this year, it's not going to happen. But I'm going to give these coaches the benefit of the doubt. If I'm hearing in camp they're starting to really show to feature the tight ends more, I'm gonna I'm not gonna expect it, but it's not gonna surprise me if it happens either. Yeah, I, I mean, and to be fair, I don't know that we've had the athletes at tight end to that we could say we use them more. I think Jeff Hireman was a really good athlete and could have been used more, but he was such a good blocker. He used it. I mean, that we had a million other blocker. athletes on the team. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, Braxton, you know, never really by the time he developed, I think. I think uh, Braxton's sophomore year, I think, was Jake Stoneburner's senior year. Uh, and Stoneburner is probably, you know, the closest thing athletically that we've seen to Jeremy Ruckert. I don't think we've seen the athletic animal and the pass-catching game that Ruckert is at tight end uh, for, I mean, I don't know, in my lifetime. You yeah, I, you, you got to, I mean, you look at his one-handed catch in the Big Ten title game, it just it was like a, a flash uh, of what he could be. 
and you, you got to use these guys on the field more. You know, they got they they have the size, they have the positioning, uh, they have the experience. I just got to believe you use them. We we're just going to use them more effectively going forward, especially with a lack of depth at wide receiver. And and when I say lack of depth, yes, I know we have four monsters coming in, but they're still freshmen. You know, right. we don't know yet. Now Jackson Smith Najibba is really doing well, from what I understand. That's part of the can. He's really tearing it up. Okay, I hope he can. T- I hope he can do that into the season. But how many times have you heard that you know, camp stars and then they do nothing? You know. Yeah, spring game studs. You know, like it's, the Bam just, Childress Award. You know, it's like yeah, you have to go through the progressions. Um, and I would like, you know, I'd like for him to be able to fill that in. I think Jalen Gill could maybe fill the KJ Hill role, hopefully, and then. That Gill's actually Garrett playing Wilson. really well in camp so far. He's a little inconsistent at times, but he's actually making big plays right now. Yeah, and I mean, last year he's had a good camp, great spring game. He was that on-the-bubble receiver, was a spring game hero, and, you know, I should take the next step. And I I hope so because that can allow Garrett Wilson to go outside, where I think Garrett Wilson can be good in the slot. I think he can be fantastic outside, and that is a, you know, a more that vertical leap. You know, you don't have a 40-inch vertical leap to play in the slot. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, I have a bit of a theory uh, on that. I think a part of the reason he goes to the slot as well, you put Williams on the outside, kind of in that Devin Smith role. Yeah. And because of his speed and... Big time Z guy, yeah. That I could just, I mean, it, it. I didn't understand it at first, but it makes sense now. If you, you have the Mike Thomas, uh, I mean, not physically, but, you know, Chris Olave is like the, the possession guy who can also go deep, but he's a possession guy. And I uh, totally... You know, if you have if you have Chris Olave on the outside, and then you have that speedster on the other side. I mean, if you have Gabriel Wilson, a, a, a just a route running mechanic on the inside, working the safeties and linebackers, you you have you are essentially able to attack the entire field. Yeah, yeah, I and I think you'll it'll move. I think it'll be fluid, kind of like it has been. These guys moving in and out. I think sometimes Olave will slide over to take the top off. He certainly did that a lot last year, um, and. You know you can you can allow Wilson to stay there, or even put Jamison in the slot because of yards after catch. You know, kind of play the Paris Campbell position. Um, won't be interested to see his agility, uh, but yeah, I think it'll be fluid. And you're right, that would be a good niche in some capacities for Garrett Wilson. Um, although I just prefer to see him outside. I do certainly think he can make his contributions in the slot as well because of how good of an athlete that he is. Um, what other positions uh, have have made interesting changes and in happening? So, well, you know, it is, I, this is a bit of a hodgepodge, and then I was, I'm going to go around here. Uh, for those worried about defensive back, I think we may have, I mean, early on, it's not set in stone, found the guy who's going to be the opposite of Sean Wade is going to be seven banks. So you, you guys, everybody knows about the two interceptions he had in that first practice, but apparently he's just kept it up, and he's been really becoming an alpha back there. Uh, he's taken that next step from what I understand so far. So far, it's still early in camp, you know, but still that's at least you're hearing somebody emerge is my, in my opinion, you know, that, or my point, I should say that, uh, I, I actually like seven banks a lot. I think he has, I think other than Wade, he's the most true corner on the team. And I, in a couple of years experience now and a lot of game experience last year, he had some hiccups for sure. But if he's taken that next step now, uh, I think you could have potentially a really nice tandem with between him and Wade. And of course, Cam Brown's going to be in the mix as well, but I definitely yeah, I was gonna I, say did Cam Brown die? <laughs> no, nah, I think he's injured right now. Yeah, that's because that that would I think that was everybody's short pick of 
and the coaches too when you saw how they rotated when Arnett was hurt uh, of who's up next. But it's good to see there's going to be some competition there with Seven Banks stepping up. Yeah, he was a, a solid recruit when we got him, and uh, Kerry Coombs loves him, and he's probably thrilled to have Kerry back, in fact. But it, it's just, you know, I I just – we need to have somebody step up and be that guy to where you, – you, you know, last year, Arnett really stepped up, and it became the guy you couldn't pick on because Akuda was out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. And we need that extra guy. And I really think that uh, – I really see that in Seven Banks. I think he can be that in the future. I think he's more of an outside corner than he is a, a slot corner anyway. He played a little slot last year. I think he's more of an outside corner, a, a pure outside corner anyway. Uh, we'll see what happens going forward, though. Uh, That's good news, though, because you, if you want to do this, if you want to play the same type of defense we played last year, you need three corners. And even if he if he doesn't beat out Cam Brown to be the outside guy, you know you got a solid Sean Wade position, as in Sean Wade's old position on the inside. So that's good that a third third alpha is emerging. Yeah, and and I will say this though: the rest of the DBs, from what I understand, have been pretty inconsistent so far. Great plays and then blown coverage, but I, that's got to be expected early on. A lot, and most of them are young. Cavassus, I mean, yeah, we kind of knew that going in. I mean, Cavassus, Watts are both looking good at times, but you know they're gonna they're gonna have blown coverages. They're gonna have mistakes. I mean, it's, it's not something to be alarmed about, but it, it's definitely. I think that separation is coming from the guys who are experienced versus the guys who are inexperienced at the moment, but. The good thing about guys like Wade not practicing much, Brown not practicing much, Wade especially because he's he's been around the block, you know. He, he we don't need to you don't need you don't need to uh get him up to up to speed. But is the fact that you let these young guys play a lot of reps early on so they can get a head start. That's going to be the blessing of the guys going forward. And you know in the early games they're going to get reps too. Uh even the ones who redshirt, they're going to get 3 4 games where they rep when we're blowing somebody out. So uh, I I just think it's I think this time like this it's great setting up for the future because from what I understand Watts and the Kavasis especially have looked good but they have inconsistencies at times which again is because they're young so it's not nothing to worry about but uh, it's definitely going to be a blessing in disguise going forward. Okay, what else is uh, emerging from the camp news? Well, from what I understand, uh, we've been interested in what's going on with Demario De McCall. I know he's a big topic of conversation because of the potential he has for the you know to help the team out. They're moving him back and forth right now, uh, getting a few t- touches of running back and the H, which is basically the slot receiver. Uh, and as I said earlier, Gil, they like Gil right now because he's making he's making a lot of home run plays. A little bit spotty at times, making a lot of home run plays. Uh, going sticking with that running back spot though, Steel Chambers is getting all the first team reps as you could imagine, which I actually like for him. I think that eventually will be a blessing in disguise. We'll talk more about the running back position later, though. Obviously, not doing anything real flash or anything, but he's just solid, like a Boom Heron type. Uh, different styles and physique, obviously, but you know, same kind of explosiveness. Uh, on defense, uh, again, you know who's having a good camp again is Javante Jean Baptiste. Uh, he's impressing right now. He's gotten much thicker. He's stronger. Uh, he's, you know, more than just a pure pass rusher, which will be nice because they're going to need anybody to step up, you know, in the absence of Chase Young. Not saying he's going to be the next Chase Young, but you, they're going to need guys to step up, be that pass rusher, and fill that void. Uh, let's see. A defense is a little bit more multiple this year in our looks. Uh, they're switching Warner and Browning a lot. Uh, they On rundowns, they're liking Warner on the inside where uh, Browning is better at tackling in space and in run su- uh, tackle, tackling in space when he's in run support. Uh, we'll get to Browning in just a second because I think it's pretty interesting that they're changing him to uh, the rush end slash outside linebacker. 
Uh, offensive line, switching back to offensive side of the ball. Again, my notes are hodgepodge are all over the place. I apologize. I'm hearing that Nicholas Petit Freer is looking pretty solid. Not dominant, but being really good. And Paris is kind of leveling off just a little bit. The effort's there, but, you know, he's still learning the offense, still learning new technique, things like that. Uh, so it's interesting. I think, obviously, I mean, again, I love Paris Johnson. I've always said I think Petit Freer is going to be the guy, no matter what, on that right tackle spot. I'm glad to hear he's doing doing pretty well, too. And uh, from what I understand, I mean, I know this is no surprise. It sounds like Harry has the left guard spot possibly locked down. But Jones has looked really good. He's going to be in a two deep. And if something happened on the interior, they, they don't have any problem with Jones. Because he's looked, he's looked, he's looked excellent. But that's all I have for right now. I, I hope to have more going forward. But of course, we won't have any next week because it's been spring break this week. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I guess we have to kind of shift back into uh, before we get into. Re- I want to talk about running back recruiting because I'm behind a little bit on this. A lot of names are floating floating around, and I've been too hurt to even watch any running back film. I'm just like, why? Well, we're not going to get anybody. I know. It's not. Re- it's not true. But Johnny's a pessimist. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, last year still giving me sour taste. Uh, Corey, the position changes that you um, were talking. Actually, I'm going to let that lie because – or do you do you want to get into that any deeper than the position changes that you mentioned briefly with the linebackers moving around? Or do you just want to kind of let that say this is what we're trying to experiment with and we'll see where it goes moving forward? It sounds like they got Browning going to be in the rush, Rushman package as a defensive end. And not a stand-up, not a stand-up linebacker in addition to Well, they might use him as a stand-up a little bit, but because he, you know, but I mean, he's going to play outside linebacker, but it sounds like he's going to uh, also be, like be the rush. on the ground. The but the, the interesting yeah. thing is, remember, he's been working on that since his freshman year. Well, in high school, he it was very good, all, just basically being used like we used him a few times last year, just spelling the defensive, you know, being outside the defensive end, just pinning his ears back and going after the, the quarterback, his speed. You know, and his strength uh, certainly played well in that position. Well, I like the fact that, you know, he's an experienced playmaker, and he, he really, really grew last year. And if if Larry Johnson and them want him in, the, in that sacred uh, third-down rushing package with the Rushman package, uh, who might argue with it, especially with an athlete like Browning? Yeah. I mean, I still maintain he's the best middle linebacker on the team, and that's where he needs to be. Um, but – if he's he's a weapon, move him around, put him where he's most successful. Uh, let him have I think fun a, with it. Part of um, that is to get. I mean, I I've read where Taraja Mitchell moved to Will. Yeah, and that one's I can see that because again, that's your run stopping, thicker. You know, your Joshua Perry type of linebacker. I I mean, I can buy that, but I understand that comes with moves elsewhere. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess, basically playing the same position Malik Harrison was playing last year. Am I right? Right, yeah, yeah. I, I guess I, I can see that cause he's not, I mean, he's not 6'4", but I mean, I could see that because he's big hit. He's a big hitting type. I mean, but that's interesting to me because I figured what, I mean, I, what I figured would happen when I heard that uh, Browning moved outside, which is kind of what I wanted to happen anyway, is that they would use Mitchell, that would give Mitchell the opportunity to play that Browning role. And yeah. uh, be the be in there, you know, on certain downs. But again, Browning was, I think, mostly in there in passing downs, was he not? Yeah, I'd have to go back and look. Well, but he—that's not Mitchell's know, forte. Probably. So, 
Yeah, no, no, no. He, he's he's your thumper inside. Yeah. So I sure. guess you could being a thumper at the uh, at the will position. I could yeah. see it. He's but is he going to play? Is he going to beat out Kevon Pope? Uh, who, I mean, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. It sounds like I mean your three guys are going to be Browning, uh, uh, Borland, and Werner. Those are going to be your three in the base. Yeah, and I think right now you, they're they're twisting it around to see what works because you got a lot of athletes and a lot of good players. In Washington, Coach Washington actually said we're trying to find ways to keep these guys engaged because it's it's been the same three guys for three years now. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those things where, okay, Browning should absolutely be a staple. Well, how do you do it without just kicking tough to the curb? And Mitchell needs to be implemented. Okay, how do you do that without just, like you said, sticking with the same three? I don't think, I think most people wouldn't blame Mitchell if he transferred at this point. Cause... Yeah, he's, he's got the talent, and, you know, I thought – we all thought he'd be a little more marquee of a player at this point. I mean, Kavon Pope has been waiting in the wings, and we've seen he is so good. Uh, if Malik Harrison wasn't so fantastic, I think Pope would have played more. So, you know, uh, maybe – I'm not certain because I've heard – you and I saw some some chatter where oh, Pete Werner is now the Will and Browning is the Sam, and I'm just like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, what? But you know what? It's it's March. You can do whatever you want in March. You can but play Baron quarterback. Want. Yeah, let Baron play quarterback. It doesn't matter. So I'm not going to get too spun up about it at this point. It is nice to see, though, that they are moving people around. And I know Baron has been on the record saying, I'm a more natural middle linebacker. He said that, or, or outside linebacker, sorry. He said it. Uh, he said it earlier. I think Tony Gerdeman said that he he had said that this year. He said it, Corey, back at the Rose Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, end of the year before last. He, yeah, no, middle linebacker is not my natural position. I like to be outside and moved around. So it shocked me that he played as well as he did. We're going to see him shine this year, big time. I think. Good. I mean, I think we've all been waiting for it, and I'm glad we saw flashes a lot um, often last year. It was. Yeah. And we saw what he could do athletically as his size is unreal. And I just think that this is the outside linebacker slash sometimes rush end is a thing. He, he can really play himself into the NFL. I mean, he's going to get a shot anyway because yeah. how athletic he is. But remember, Dante Booker was a stupidly athletic guy, but he got a, a practice squad thing with that Cardinals. But uh, So it's not a guarantee because of athleticism he's going to be in the NFL. But I think playing this position, becoming a playmaker at that position, will will lead to the NFL taking notice. Yeah, I think Browning is basically an even faster version of Malik Harrison. It may not be as good in diagnosing the run. Like Harrison could just guess where you were going to go and beat you to the spot. But more of a pass rush hybrid. Um, so he'll excel in that role. And I think I think he'll fill it nicely, whatever they have to do. Um, again, I'm not gonna I'm, we're not gonna waste our breath about the middle linebacker fans be upset if you want to talk if you want to i'm not the happiest about it but it's good enough i think it's good enough you know well, we, we it, can't it'll get us by it, so. yeah we can't change it and in big games when you play the clemsons and top teams in the playoffs i think you've seen we will switch it up enough to make it work read read into that what you want to um yeah uh, cory uh you know what actually i don't want to get too far in the weeds and everything else you want to go ahead and run into the run into the running back situation. Yeah, let's both do that. In, in the running back room right now in the stable and then out in recruiting. So 
first in the stable. Um, Teague and Crowley are injured. I think Teague is a torn ACL, and Crowley had what was thought to be a sprained ACL. Or now Teague now is a torn have... Achilles, apparently. Yeah, Teague scar. Sorry, Teague torn Achilles, and Crowley was a uh, what was thought to be a tor- a sprained ACL that may have been torn now. Uh, back in from November, so it's lingering and definitely taking longer to heal. Yeah, uh, they could both be ready by fall camp, let's hope. Uh, but right now, you know, like we said, Chambers is getting a snap, so Xavier Johnson and Mayan Williams will be there in the fall, and he's looking ripped. I mean, good, I'm glad he's putting the work in, but, you know, that doesn't automatically equate to great football. So, Yeah, especially, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't the athletic phenom anyway that some of the other backs were. He's a guy that you needed for depth and going to have to put in some work and develop. So that's not, you know, you don't want to rely on him. Certainly he's not even an early enrollee, you know. So Teague and Crowley, it's a big deal. Like, I saw what you all saw. Teague tapered off at the end of last season. I don't know what it was. He was battling and, some injuries from what I understand. Okay. And then Crowley, uh, I thought, well, you know what? Crowley might just pass him up, and Crowley, I think, has the maybe the higher ceiling. Um, he's such a good high school running back. So then you see Crowley's coming off the injury, and Teague's now injured. And Crowley, and both will be ready by fall. But workload-wise, I mean, how good a shape can you how good a shape can you be in when you haven't been able to go hard all summer because you're nursing an injury? That is the that is the question, right, Corey? Not that we don't think we'll have a, a full running back room by the fall. But I don't know. I mean, it, it's a little scary that the only two right now that I could see even sniffing being an alpha Ohio State caliber running back during the season, the bell cow, are both Tegan Crowley. I think I would be a little bit, I don't know, overly optimistic to expect either of them to be able to handle a full workload by the beat the first four games of the season. Am I crazy for, am I too pessimistic for that? No, I don't think so. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the depth is something that needs to be monitored right now. And I mean, it's not know, time to panic, but it's not something no. you can just say is not a concern. Not at all. Not at all. And you know what, maybe, you know, no, definitely. I think this, uh, this helps. If there's a silver lining, all this helps the development of steel chambers. I I was never sold. I guess maybe I'm still not that he wouldn't end up back at a linebacker at some point. This he definitely going there that, now. Yeah, th- th- this is this is where he's going to be getting some first team reps and a lot, probably most all the first team reps, and he is going to really be developed as a running back at this level and see what comes of it. Um, is there anything else? Like, I mean, I know that feeds the recruiting situation. Is Do you have, like, anything I'm missing there, Corey? Do we need to get deeper in? No, I mean, it's just it's something to monitor. Uh, Kevin Wilson said he could be as long as six months, which, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean six months. I mean, Alex Gleitman has reported he thinks he'll be ready by the beginning of fall camp. Same with uh, Crowley, which would be great. I, I think it stinks that Crowley's not getting the reps right now. Apparently that knee injury was a little worse than we thought, and his uh, arm was in a sling during uh, during the uh, off season as well. So I don't I don't know what that was about, but I mean it, it. I I like Crowley the most out of all the running backs in the stable. That's my personal opinion. 
I'm not saying Teague's not good. I'm not saying Chambers not good. Chambers looked great in uh, mop-up duty last year. And I think he's got ability. Uh, I, I I just think Crowley's got the is the one of the uh, uh, he's the one of the whole stable who looks like a potential superstar in my opinion. Um, I, Teague, from what I understand, was injuries at the end of last year, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But he, John, I looked at it from Penn State on. He finished with 21 carries for 45 yards. He was a different running. Yeah, back. It, it wasn't it the same. Was, I don't know what it I'm was. I'm hoping it's it just an ankle injury guys. or something like that that stalled him. Uh, but that, that and here's the thing, Johnny, is when, when we took Mayan Williams, I'm not saying Mayan can't be a good player, but I know a lot of Buckeye fans were not happy about it, especially when he had the prospect of getting Bajon Robinson and it slipped through your fingers. Uh, and some people are telling me, oh, well, you need to bank the skull and go get another guy next year. I'm like, no, 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 you absolutely have to have bodies. You have to have running back Division One bodies. And people argue with me, argue with me, argue with me about that. I said, Teague will get injured. <laughs> In the spring, he's been injured every time he's been. Every spring he's been here, he's been injured. Um, it just happens. So <laughs> I was like, "You're gonna if Teague is injured and Crowley's not ready to go with this exact scenario." What I'm talking about, like I was Look hoping mine would you, be an early enrollment. He's not, but now you're down to a walk on and uh, and Steel Chambers, and that's you. And by fall camp, if those two aren't ready to go, Crowley and Teague, you have two scholarship running backs on the roster, and they've they have absolutely looked in the transfer porter for at people. I've actually heard a few names like Robert Washington, uh, Hayden from Arkansas. Uh, I know that they've. Uh, I think. Re- I think they even contacted Zach Evans. I don't know if that went anywhere, but I think they contacted him. I mean, they, they are definitely awesome. looking, you know, to like make sure and cover all their bases on it. So it's a concern, whether you like it or not. It's a concern. It certainly is. I mean, uh, look at you. Look at you hoping for offensive injuries. Um, My goodness, dude. <laughs> a little inside inside joke there. <laughs> Feeling the key offensive injury <laughs> some of you will appreciate that but anyways um yeah I that's you. pretty crazy that it's pretty pretty crazy that you called that yeah just so i could be right for once <laughs> you just say you'd be right for once. um well you know we got to watch on we got to keep an eye on that so uh running back recruiting so what did we have to react to that we'll try not yeah, to get it's in so interesting what's going on running back recruiting man <laughs> Uh, it looked like Pryor was a lock to Ohio State for a bit, and I'll tell you, it it doesn't seem that way anymore. Bill Green's very adamant he's going to end up in the class. Maybe he does. Bill Green knows a million times more than I do. Uh, if you want to listen to Bill Green over me, I totally understand. And I'm not offended at all. But uh, I I don't think Pryor ends up in the class. I think he goes to North Carolina, and I think it's North Carolina selling him on being the guy. We need we definitely need to, and we have told him we need to, and. There's no there's no debate or discussion with a recruit. When a recruit, I want to be the only guy. Well, then we're not going to be in the class, you know, because we need to. And when Edwards, we started searching for Donovan Edwards, and by now you all know he's one of the top running backs in the country from Michigan. And we're beating right now, as of right now. I mean, Sam Webb wants to is determined to tell you that that battle is not over. So who knows? It's recruiting. Anything could happen. But uh, right now we're leading for him and we're surging for him. And he is a running back that has said, I'm good with being uh, one of two guys in the class. I'm good with that. You know, he says, I like a rotation. I don't want to use my wheels up in college. <laughs> uh, there's different things you can do with me on top of that, being in the slot, things like that. I mean, so he's really got that attitude of, look, I'm, I'm, I don't, it's not my ego that matters here. I just want to go where it's right for me. And good for him. Good on him for that. Uh, good head on mm-hmm. his shoulders for that. And when you start doing well with guys like Trevion Henderson, LJ Johnson, I mean, it just – you know, your priorities change a little bit in recruiting. 
I I feel like we're we're not trending for Pryor right now. I feel like we're trending a little bit more. I don't know about Henderson. I mean, it's possible they get Henderson Edwards, but I would say it's kind of like unlikely. My opinion will be best case. I think what's going to end up eventually happening will be getting Edwards and Corey Kiner, something like that, which is a great haul. Uh, but I also think LJ Johnson from Texas with Donovan Edwards working on him is a very real possibility as well. But that being said, uh, I'm very confident Edwards uh, will be a Buckeye. And again, it's recruiting. Anything can change. I have to always preface that. But I think once we search for Edwards, we start doing well with Henderson, LJ Johnson. Our priorities at running back start to change because Pryor wants to re- wants to commit right now, basically. And from what I understand, it seemed like a couple months ago he was ready to do it for Ohio State, ready to commit to Ohio State. And I, I just don't know if they're ready to really take a commitment yet, you know. Because I mean, when you're when you're training for all these guys, you got to really set your priorities and okay. But you also don't want to get caught chasing. You know what I'm saying? Like right. the Deshaun Watson situation where we chased him all, and then he ends up at Clemson. We we get uh, a Steve. Uh, uh, what was his name? The running back, a quarterback uh, from Georgia that uh, that didn't really play here. I'm sorry. I'm, my oh, name's uh, Curtis. You talking about Curtis? No, 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 no. Steven something. I I'm sorry. I'm blanking on this one. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Deshaun Watson was a long time ago, and people are probably like, well, we get he was Deshaun on the championship team. He's like third or fourth string on the championship team. Uh, actually, no, I think he was the backup because of all the injuries. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, doesn't matter. That being said, so the priorities I think have changed a little bit at running back. I, I do think the, Edwards is a guy you got to take no matter what, even if it chases off of right. Anderson because of just, just by proximity, because he's uh, Michigan's number one recruit. Uh, the state of in the state of Michigan, you steal him from a rival. He's also just happens to be a great player, and his his willingness to be a second or not second guy, but be one of two guys in a class. Edwards to me is like a guy you just take no matter what. And I, yeah, he's he's good enough that if he's not quite as good as the others guys, he's good enough that you can't you can't really miss. Yeah, yeah, it's you not, wouldn't live with him being the your gap bell isn't cow. so big between him and a, like a Henderson that you're like oh what did we do we settled no this isn't settling he's a great player. So, uh, yeah, you take him no matter what, and I think that's I think that's where they're heading is like we're because they're they're being absolutely relentless in trying to get Edwards, and he just visited this past week and had a great visit. Uh, people like Kierlick and Bill Green and, and company think that sealed the deal. Uh, Kierlick put his crystal ball in, and Givler I understand is pretty close to doing a future cast. So it's like I I you know I I think it'll be Edwards. Uh, now it never means anything until they sign, of course, but. I don't. I don't see any foresee anything happening that would make cause him to to not want to sign if he should he commit. But uh, then you just go and chase guys like Henderson and Johnson and and and, and keep Kiner uh, keep Kiner in the fold. So that I think that's where it ends up. And I think Pryor ends up at, at UNC at this point because gosh, you got to give Matt Brown credit. He is killing it in recruiting for UNC. Yeah, he's doing what he was brought there to do, and good on him. Um, so Corey, uh, touch on the last little bit of recruiting notes before I let you rant on your Buckeye. Hoops. Oh, geez. I just ran on recruiting. Uh, two, just two quick things. Uh, I'm confident Troy Stellato is going to be a Buckeye, even after his visit with Clemson. And I'm also confident that Jordan Hancock hype to Clemson, to Stephen Wilfong, uh, uh, Crystal Ball, I think is just hype at the moment. I'm, I'm con- okay. confident in saying those two things. And I'll just leave it at that. Okay, that'll be important to watch for. So, everybody, keep an eye on Stellato. Hancock and of course the running back carousel and recruiting that we will we will see how it all lands. All right, Corey, little round ball, little round ball didn't go our way today. 
Um, played a really good team, obviously. And uh, from what I understand, they came out guns blazing and uh, put themselves sometimes in some situations where they could have, you know, made some good runs, but it didn't. Uh, it didn't work out for them. Oh yeah, they won. They finished the season regular season winning ten out of last thirteen. You got that's really respectable. Uh, they're the number seven seed in the Big Big Ten tournament because Iowa lost to Illinois tonight. <laughs> so the number seven seed, and they play Purdue in the second round, who's a ten seed. And the winner, guess what? The winner of that gets to play Michigan State. <laughs> Can we beat these guys once? It seems like it seems like. Well, we did in Holtman's first year. We clocked them at, at Value City Arena. That's right. Uh, Took it to them, tuned them up, like jaw, like. Well, this is Chris Holtman from now on. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. But uh, Michigan State's got a fantastic team, and they're extremely talented. And I'll be happy not to deal with Cassius Winston anymore. Uh, Tillman's a great down-low player, very physical. Uh, Henry, let, Henry's an let me see player your, when he wants let, to be. Let me see your shock faced when elite, uh, Michigan State's in the Elite Eight again. Yeah, it's, you know, shocking. Yeah, again. <laughs> oh. But they lost nine oh, games this year, Corey. It. How'd they get? It doesn't matter. March is when they shine. Yeah, it's like <laughs> so. a requirement in the Big Ten, right, to lose nine games. Basically, this this time of the year. But, you know, Ohio State finishes 21-10. and 10. That's still respectable. Had a winning record in the Big Ten, a very tough Big Ten conference this year. Uh, lost to Michigan State. And to be State. honest, kind of where we, where we expected at the beginning of the year. Not Now, when we saw I think December we expected happen. better, to be honest. But it, it's better than what we expected in the middle of the year when they lost six straight. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when December happened, I think everybody's expectations rose. But I was under the belief always 21 was really the year. 21 was really the year when uh, it would come together. And you said it, this team was a little bit a victim of the circumstance of the, the mad air and the, the scholarship, lack of big-time scholarship players. This team is littered with role players, littered with them. And the alpha situation was inconsistent at best. So... Uh, and then you, I mean, DJ Carton having to having to step away in the middle of the season certainly didn't help anything. Um, you'll you'll live with this. Uh, certainly a nice rally at the end of the season. And big hurdles like Michigan State seem like they just maybe weren't quite ready to take that next step. But March is here, and anything can happen in March. Yeah, and we we lost at Breslin, so it was. I mean, this, it is what it is. Uh, Cassius just went. He just was on fire. I mean, Luther was all over him, and it didn't matter. He just he hit every shot. Uh, you know, Tillman was a monster under underneath the basket, and uh, they they I, I just saw they they out hustled us today, and that doesn't happen often with Holtman teams, but it did just seem like they out hustled us. That's fine. Michigan State's a great team. Kudos to them for for the win. Uh, you mean Tom Izzo got a team to hustle and play hard? No way. I mean, it's like uh, again, my shock faced. Yeah, no Mark kidding. Right? <laughs> He's I, look. Izzo's a great coach, but he is a psychopath on the sideline. <laughs> so, <laughs> he is no chill. Yeah, exactly. So any anyway, th- but you know what? We'll look forward to him this week playing Purdue. Uh, they beat Purdue earlier in the season. Let's see if they do it again. So, all right, we'll see how it unfolds, Corey. I thank you for that big rundown. That was a lot of information. I think it was a very informative show. A lot to unpack. Uh, but man, it feels good that we finally got it done. I don't want to speak too soon. Let's end this thing and save the audio files so nothing else goes horribly wrong with your little serial killer uh, audio episode at the beginning of the show. Let's just let's get out of here with this one and uh, call it a day. We appreciate you guys. Uh, Corey, thanks for thanks for getting that audio fixed. I uh, 
<laughs> you're easier to listen to uh, without the the extreme filter. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right, guys, come back and see us next week. As always, goodbye, God bless, and go Bucks. Yeah.